0: net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sing. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boat to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now please turn with me to John chapter 21, verse 1 to 19. John 21, verse 1 to 19. After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples in the sea of Tiberias and in the way he showed himself and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were able to draw in it in, because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom loved, Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they came to the land, he saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast, yet None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and guide you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying, By what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. May his name be glorified.
1: Good morning. Uh, I purposely had everyone stand up for the reading. Many a time, the reading time, people hardly pay attention to the word of God. If you look at the Old Testament, there are times when a whole congregation just stood attentively. It was received with much reverence. And it doesn't matter whether we are seated or standing, but the word of God definitely needs to have a place and a Um, a place in our hearts and even now many um, I didn't get it right Okay, (laughs) many churches still have the habit that when the word of God is read they stand up and at the end they say this is the word of the Lord and their congregation replies thanks be to God So we need to thank the Lord for receiving the word and we need to be expectant to receive the word. Uh, A couple of weeks back, we thought about discipleship. And what we thought that time was forsaking all, denying ourselves Taking of the cross and carrying, carrying the cross means nothing unless it is motivated by the love of Christ. Okay. So if you listened very carefully, the first reading at the end of it, did you notice anything that was there from that? They forsook all and... Followed him. They forsook all and followed him. And then we have in John chapter 21 Peter coming and taking up the same nets and going back fishing. At the end of it, we again have the Lord reaffirm him. Before we go into it, Um, I'd like to read from Second Corinthians chapter 5, quite a family portion for all of us, verses 14 onwards. <clears throat> or rather from verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. We had known him in the flesh, but now we know him thus no longer. The apostles had known Christ in the flesh, but at the end of it, they knew him thus no longer. You know, when... Small kids are around strangers. If the stranger makes an advance, most of the kids they draw back. So, toddlers. So, if you're around and you're not uh, paying much attention, sometimes they get. Sometimes you, by chance, capture their attention. They look with awe at you and slowly they try to come to you. You know, if you look at the life of Peter, we find almost the same thing. You remember in John chapter 1, Andrew came to, Peter, came to the Lord Jesus Christ first. Andrew was an apostle of... Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist pointed Christ to Andrew. So, Andrew comes and tells Peter... Um, you don't need to go there. I'll just read that for you. Um, <coughs> one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. We have found the Messiah. Uh, we are not very sure of the sequence of events, but in all probability, you know, there's a there's an incident that is being narrated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke of Simon Peter's mother-in-law being healed. She was down with a fever, and the Lord Jesus goes and touches her, and she is healed. Uh, in all probability, that happened. Before the incident that we read in Luke chapter five, that is, uh, Peter forsaking all and following, whatever it is, so Peter had some kind of exposure to Christ. Andrew comes and says, "Oh, we have found the, we have found the Messiah." He went and stayed with Christ for a night, and so he's full of that experience. And he comes and tells his brother, "I found the Messiah." Oh, big deal. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say it out. Oh, but he—if he really knew that he was the Messiah, he would have run to Christ. And uh, Luke chapter five. What do we find? Jesus comes to the shore where he has been fishing. Do you think it is? by coincidence that they don't get anything in the night I believe the Lord saw to it that they caught nothing at night and then at that moment the Lord comes there on purpose and there's a crowd. and the Lord asked Peter to put the boat out into the sea Okay, he was washing the nets I'm not an expert at fishing but Gone to call them a couple of times, so just see, you see the guys pulling in the nets around nine, ten o'clock in the morning, and all the fish comes in. And during the day, it's, it's, it's a bad time for fishing, so they wash the nets and do that. So here they are; they were probably washing the nets, and Jesus said, "Will you put?" Put out the boat to the sea, and he puts it out to the sea, and Jesus sits down there, and preaches to the crowd. Nothing much is mentioned in this portion about what he was preaching, but it immediately says, he says, then he, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." Probably. Peter was still cleaning the nets as he listened to the Lord. I don't know. Or maybe he was on the board and taking care that doesn't float away. Maybe he was paying a little bit of attention, but not. He. Even though it was presented to him by Andrew that this was Messiah, Andrew had no doubt. He comes and says this is the Messiah. Peter doesn't seem to have understood that. So he was an experiential learner. So what does the Lord do? He gives him an experience. And says, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. So... You know, he knows the trick of the trade. The time for fishing is over. Now we can come back in the evening, in the night, not now. That has been his experience. And this guy, he's a carpenter and he's going around preaching. What does he know about fishing? So, But he has some kind of respect, I suppose. Oh, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And what happens? And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. This could never, ever, ever happen. The fisherman knew it. This had to be something miraculous. Yes. And he knew it. This was somebody different. So at the end of it, he says When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, many of us have grown up. Listening to the Bible, coming to church, singing Sunday school songs. Are we still in a place? Somebody comes and tells us he's the Messiah, and we say in our heart, Oh, big deal. I got other pursuits in my life. I need to see success in my area of operation, whatever that be. But he who stands in our midst is the Lord of all, he is the creator, he is the Messiah. So he says, depart from him. When he realizes the power of God, when he realizes what, who Christ is and his power, he was immediately conscious of his own sins if there be any of us sitting here who has not had such an experience I pray that the Lord will give us that experience let it not be that you have to toil hard and catch nothing and then the Lord bless you or you are taken through a very 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 difficult experience in your life for you to know the Lord and at that time, anyway, at the end of it, the Lord says, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. From now on you will catch men. Don't know what exactly Peter understood of that. And Peter went down. He was, if he was a fisherman, he was a fisherman. And if he was a follower of the Lord Jesus, he was a follower. Wherever he's interacting with the Lord, we find that the Lord comes to him walking on the water. He says, "Lord, shall I come to you?" Okay, he jumps in. Maybe um, present day he might have been classified as ADD. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, so it's very, very much out there with us. Actions. Then. Uh, the the villagers of Caesarea Philippi. The Lord Jesus is walking. Uh, with his disciples and he asks them. Who do people say that I am? They give different answers. Who do you say that I am? Peter immediately says. He has experienced it where? Back in the lake of. it." He says. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus says, Very well, well done. The Lord that my Father in heaven has revealed this thing to you. So the Lord wants to take him to the next step of discipleship, and he tells them, You know what? The Son of Man is going to be suffering at the hands of these elders and chief priests, and he's going to be crucified. And on the third day he will rise again. But who bothers about the last portion, right? The first portion itself is enough. Hmm? And he says, Never let that happen to you. Why? Is the Christ is the Messiah is the one who should lead the nation to salvation Peter knew him in the flesh Peter knew him in the flesh Again we find Peter in various uh, places interacting with the Lord Jesus Christ I think the Last Supper probably he was caught unaware. The Lord Jesus Christ taking a towel and a bowl of water and washing the feet yes. comes to him. He's there. No, Lord, you will not wash my feet. He needs to know it. And what does the Lord say? If I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. Who? Oh, then wash my whole being. Okay. Again, you want to call him an ADD? Fine. Well, he is there. He is experiencing the Lord. He is expressing it out there. But he doesn't understand everything, but he understands something. He has not known Christ fully. And then he starts talking and he says, you will, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. No, Lord, never! And the Lord says, it's going to happen, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And he says, when you have turned back, strengthen your brethren he gets none of that and also he says the lord tells them no after i am risen on the previous night he's saying okay just before he's going to get him and he's saying after i have risen i will go ahead of you to galilee and you must go there and wait for me none of them listen to that right And then their um, hearts are all filled with probably a lot of confusion, everything. Then you see him at the garden when he, the Lord Jesus Christ is being captured. He takes a sword and chops off the ear, he is ready for action. He knows the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. And we know what happened. He denies the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he really did not deny. Did he? Yes, he did. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. That's what he had said a few hours back. But here he is denying the Lord Jesus Christ. But did he leave him and go away? No. He walked Followed at a distance, and he got into the um, courtyard, and there we know the denial took place. Right? The denial took place, and then the Lord. Um, then the Lord looks at him. He goes out and weeps. Everything is past. Easter Day. There's a small verse in Luke 24 that many people miss out. But Peter, the Lord had appeared to Peter sometime during that day. Okay. In the evening, the, the disciples who go to Emmaus, they come back. And when they come back, they are saying, the women say that the Lord is risen, and Peter also says he's seen him. So the Lord Jesus met Peter before he met others probably, the other disciples. Not before he met the women. but And then there's Thomas is not there next week. You know what happens, all that, right? Uh, that night, the Easter night, Jesus meets with the eleven minus uh, Thomas and a week from then with all the eleven with Thomas being present they still had not gone to Galilee Hmm? and um, if you read John 21 carefully we read already it says this was the third time when when Jesus was appearing to them so after that, probably they walked to Galilee. They, they went and they were waiting in Galilee. And I'm assuming that probably their disciples could not get what was happening. And probably they felt disheartened. They waited and waited and waited. No, Jesus... He had told us to come here before that. Probably in Peter's mind, I denied him. He doesn't love me anymore. I forsook everything and went after him. I knew that he was the Christ, but I did not know that this was the way he was going to work out. Oh, I've lost it. I've been out of the good, I'm out of the good books of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens? What happens? Let me go back to fishing. And Peter, you know, he's so full of energy. When he does it, he does it in style. So... He goes, and with him, he has six others, so seven of them. Come on. It's not a startup company, but it's a restartup. But they flung it. And the Lord saw to it that they flung it. And they hand the thong the whole night, again, nothing. Then in the morning, there he comes. Didn't the Lord Jesus see all this? He did. He saw. He probably wanted Peter to realize the utter failure of his own flesh in following after him. He wanted him to experience that brokenness, and then he comes. So he says, "They've been fishing the whole night. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some." And before that, he calls out, "Children, the boys." Do you have any food? They say no. Okay. Cast the net on the right side of the pond, and you will find some. Um, the restart-up guys. Probably we have been out of touch for long. Less anyway, no harm is going to happen. But sit. The fish is there. And. Immediately John knew no one, no one, no one but the Lord Jesus Christ. This has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. You know, um, John was probably the first to believe. John believed without seeing at the tomb of Peter the Lord Jesus Christ. So even here, he's not able to see, probably because of the distance, and recognize Jesus Christ, but from that miracle, he merely says, it is the Lord. John knew him. And, you know, that was enough for Peter. He put on his garments because he was Half um, stripped for his work. And the, he doesn't care that the restartup is a success. No. He launches into the water and onto the land and to the feet of Jesus Christ. And from that feet, he was never ever. To leave him again. There are many lessons to learn here. Many, many lessons. Different lessons for different people. Have we been tired serving the Lord? Have we been tired serving the Lord? And do we see that the Lord is blessing others and not us? You know, many a time you look at what others have and you hardly realize what you have. We look at what we don't have and then we envy another person. If you go to that person and talk to him, oh man, I have all this, but if only I had what you had, Are we in that kind of state? You know, what is needed? It is just Christ. Having the Lord Jesus Christ with him, we have everything. He who has the Son has everything. Everything belongs to him. And if we have seen that love, you know, if you read carefully, Second Corinthians chapter 5, what we read, the love of Christ compels us. And so, love for Christ as well. The love of Christ is it's not love of Rebbe for Christ, it's love of Christ for Rebbe. The love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ is there with us. And the more, we, the more we dream of it, the more we think of it, the more we meditate of it, oh, that's going to take control of us. If you just sit and think about His power and all other things, it's all good. But unless and until we meditate on the love of Christ... It's not going to come to us. And when we see his love, we know love because he has loved loved us first. And if we meditate on his love, we will know love. So many a time there are people asking questions. I cannot experience God's love. Cannot. Cannot feel it. Why meditate on Christ's love? Let it fill us. When Christ's love fills us, it will constrain us. You know, the word that is you said constrains. In um, Luke twenty-four, you know the two disciples who are walking to the Emmaus. They constrain Jesus at the end of the journey. Stay with us for toward, it is toward evening do not depart. I'm reminded of uh, my childhood days when I had only one set of grandparents on my mother's side, and it was a treat when they came visiting. And you know, if if they were going, we would plead and plead and plead with them, please, please, please. And a couple of times we have been successful in keeping them back. So, it is like that the love of the grandchildren constrain them to stay back and change their plans the love of Christ when we see it it will constrain us to live for him and that love is to be experienced not in a fleshly way but in the spirit I don't know how to explain it further and if you read Ephesians carefully it says that you may comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints. It is done while we come and sing together, while we come and meditate together, while we exalt one another, while we worship. And whenever we come together, let there be the love of Christ that is shared. It says about in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, we know it talks about love. It, it probably talks more about the love that we need to have for one another. But there's a, this, um, this can be applied to the love for Christ as well. And though I have, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I can forsake all that I have. I can deny myself and carry my cross but if let us know the love of Christ let that be the focal point on which we move last time I Quickly talked about loving the Lord. It's the same thing in the Old Testament, it's the same thing in the New Testament. What is it? Love and serve the Lord. Basically, love and serve the Lord. Love the Lord with all your heart, in certain places it would say, all your heart and soul, and mind and strength. That is it. There are doctrines to learn. Of course there might be, but the simple, very, very simple people who do not know the doctrines can still drink of the love of Christ. If you're if you if you are a very analytical person or logical person, with your mind you need to know him more and more. If you're more of the emotional in the heart person, that is the most dominant part of your personality, with your, with all your heart and soul. In the heart and soul actually means from our inner self, with all your emotions. When I'm when I'm talking about the personality, I'm talking about the the more, more emotional character with all our emotions. Let us love the Lord. And if you're a very active, ADD guy or whatever, what people want to. To call us with all our strength, that would be the dominant thing that that might shine forth from us. But whatever be the shade of our personality doesn't matter. Through that, the Lord's love we should experience and we should love the Lord and that should flow out from us. And... Maybe we are strong in one side of the personality, but that doesn't mean a person who is too emotional, he also should serve the Lord with all his mind and all his strength. A person who is too analytical, he also should pour out his emotions. He also should serve with all his strength. And a guy who is very manual, even he should meditate and he should pour out his emotions. Love the Lord. What is serving the Lord? He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Right? He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So serving the Lord translates to that. And it, when we know that his commandments are not burdensome, and that reflects in loving one another. And this commandment that he have heard from the beginning, that he love one another. So uh, let us be motivated by the love of Christ. You know, you can look back at um, various other disciples as well. Look at uh, Paul. We usually sing... Um, Philippians 3 8 onwards but paraphrase words all I once held dear built my life upon all those things I count as loss and refuse for the surpassing knowledge of Christ Jesus This is, and in other places he says uh we have been bought with a price the blood of Christ so that is the motivating factor it is not a knowledge a theoretical knowledge but it is a heart knowledge as well with the precious blood of Christ we do not belong to ourselves so and then he tells elsewhere don't we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for our sakes he became poor and so, what is the response to that love? If he gave up everything for me, I give up everything for him. In Second Corinthians, five, it um, that portion almost winds up with this. Okay. Uh, Verse 15. When he died for all. Why? That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. That those who live should not live for themselves. And that is the key thing that the cost of discipleship message comes through. We should not live for ourselves. We have forsaken all. Not in vacuum, but for him who died for us. We deny ourselves, that's not to be seen in isolation, for him who died for me. I take up my cross and carry and follow after him, for him who died for me. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I now no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A response to his love. And here, uh, John 21, it comes to a close with the Lord Jesus asking Peter, Do you love me? Okay. um, The Lord Jesus asked that thrice. I just asked somebody the same question thrice. You can guess who it is. So, the um, third time, the eyes even uh, brightened up even more in in Asha's declaration of love for me. Okay, but here we see Peter breaking down. He breaks down and says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. I don't know how to do this. I thought you had left me and gone. Thank you. Thank you for coming after me. And then then the Lord Jesus says, follow me. In Luke chapter 5, he did not even have to tell them. He just followed his nets and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the Lord says, follow me. And we know what happens. And finally the Lord also tells him, you know, when you are old, you will suffer and die for me. It's a sacrificial love. You know, I think we all should pray that we we should die for the Lord. It could be a natural death. But in our death also, the life... Jesus Christ should be glorified. But that can happen when we live for our Lord day to day. Not just at death. And what we have, all we have, everything belongs to Him. It is at His feet. We lay everything down. Why? He died for me. He loved me. And I was thinking how to explain the love of Christ and it, um, realistically I don't even have the time for that in this short time and it was beautiful that the Lord worked uh, talked about the love of Christ throughout the worship today and so we know it if we have not reached it let's come to it let's ask that We will come to know the love of Christ. Are we at the place where Peter just heard from Andrew that he's the Messiah? Do we still have not experienced him or have we experienced him and still are we still seeking after him in a fleshly way? No we now onwards we know him thus no longer. very simple. It is not rocket science. Just love and serve the Lord. That's all what our Lord demands. And if we do that, our life will be blessed. And we will be a blessing to others. And we'll, we'll enjoy our life with the Lord in the midst of difficulties and trials. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, we want to thank you for the love that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ. How he left everything, all his glories, came and dwelt in our midst. And looking at his love, Lord, help us to lay everything at your feet the feet of him who left everything for us. Help us to lay our souls. Lord, may there be not one area of our life where we would say, no, I cannot give that up for the Lord. Lord, help us that we will forsake all all those things that take us that keep us away from you. Our time, our modes of entertainment, our work, our family, our children, our money, our wealth, our health, our intellect, our talents. We lay everything at your feet. And what we are not able to please teach us to lay them at your feet. If you need to learn hard lessons, please give them to us. But may it be that we love you. Please, Father, help us. And may it be that the love of Christ will constrain us. Thank you, Father. In Christ's precious name. we have a new visitor today, Baby Eva. <laughs> so Ashish and Sheen, could you bring Josh? the whole family please? We had a real scare the first couple of days when the baby came, right? Praise the Lord for keeping her safe. Um, Just read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 onwards.